Well, welcome to the sanctuary, a safe space to speak from the heart. I'm your host, Israel, and my guest today, super talented photographer, awesome human being, Kat Gruko. Thanks for coming to the sanctuary today. Thank you for having me. Oh, man. Um, I remember one of the guests of the podcast, Mel, put up this photo of themselves on your Instagram, and it was amazing. You know, Mel looks great. But the photo had a story behind it. And then there was it was actually like a sequence of photos. And then I found out who took it. I was like, I need to talk to this person. So reached out to you. Thanks for coming on. But let's just get into how did you get into taking photos? Wow. Yeah. So I've been doing photography for 13 years now. So quite a while. Um, but basically I was always creative in school. I did art and I knew I wanted to be something creative, but I didn't quite know what. So at first I was like, mm. okay, I'm going to go study fine art. And then I was like, oh no, maybe let's try graphic design. So I did a graphic design degree and I was like, okay, that's kind of it, but still not there. Um, and then I just wanted to get a camera to basically, cause I was still drawing in varsity. So I still wanted to be able to like draw and I draw very realistic stuff. So I wanted to be able to take the photo and then draw it like a portrait of a person sort of thing. Cause back then there was no Google. So we had to go through a million magazines <laughs> to find the photos that we wanted. So I got the camera and I just went, okay, what's the best way to learn? And the quickest way to learn is to assist a photographer. And that's the year that Facebook started. So I found a photographer, loved his work, was like, can I come assist you? You don't have to pay me. I just want to learn. So I worked with him for four months on the weekends, still working during the week. And I was completely obsessed and he did fashion. So then I kind of gravitated towards fashion. But yeah, it's it definitely lit the fire. And I was like, this is this is what I want to do. So very soon after I quit my job and then did full time photography and I've been doing it ever since. Okay, let's talk about the when you did the uh, assistant photographer. What did that involve? So at that point, I was working during the week. I was in my first year of work out of varsity. So I moved my hours earlier, actually. I used to work like nine till five, and then I moved my hours seven till three so that I could then drive to him because he was an hour away from where I was. And then in the afternoons, I would literally sit with him and watch how he edits. So he would teach me how to edit. At that point, Capture One wasn't a thing. So he was teaching me Lightroom and Photoshop and like all the different things that he does. So that would be like my evenings basically during the week. And then on the weekends, I would go and shoot with him from basically sunrise to sunset, Saturday and Sunday. And then I'd drive back to my place every time. And yeah, shooting all weekend, editing at nights and then doing my full-time job during the day. So yeah, I was... I, How I was... was that period? <laughs> Most... Yeah, I was 21 It must have point. been crazy then though. Yeah, I was 21, so I had energy, luckily. Um, and it was all new uh, and exciting. And like, it was my first job as well. So like, job was really exciting. And this thing on the side was exciting. So I kind of just juggled it. Mm. And I mean, finding something that you've been looking for for so long that you didn't even know you were looking for, and then finding it, you, you just get that energy because mm. you're just like, this is incredible. I love this world. I just want to be a part of it. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. I didn't care how tired I was. I would still go every Saturday and Sunday and shoot for whatever, 14 hours a day. Even if I was tired, I didn't care because I just loved it so much. So yeah, that was my first four months. I literally just followed him around and assisted him. So 
you said most of the things you shot with uh, the photographer was fashion. Yeah. What are some examples of the things you'd shoot then? So it would, I mean, back then, this was before, or like the very beginning of Facebook. So model base was still a thing back then. Do you know of model base? No? Yes. So it's, yeah, for those that mm. don't know, it's like Facebook, but pre-Facebook, but photographers and models and industry people, basically. Um, so yeah, I we, we would be on there and then we'd find some models and you would connect through there. You meet different photographers and you go to like photographer meetups and photographers and models and all of them would be there. And it was just, it was so easy to sort of like intertwine everything and like meet people and then meet a model and then meet a makeup artist and then meet someone else and then like come up with this idea and then do a shoot. So yeah, that's pretty much how it started. I mean, obviously in the beginning he was organizing all the models and that sort of stuff because he'd been doing it for ages. Wow. Okay. So I, how did you know you were at the point where you could go do this by yourself? So luckily I was young and I didn't have a lot of expenses at that point. Um, and I actually met another photographer through that guy and he was shooting club gigs at that point where it was literally like, I can't even remember who the client was, but you would go to a club in Santon and then take photos of people at the club, basically, like just having a good time. It wasn't necessarily for a brand. It was for the club. So it was like everything, basically. You just had to like go around and take photos of people if they wanted to. So I had started doing that and that was what was paying. The fashion was just kind of like on the weekends for fun as well. But this, the, the events was what was starting to pay. And then from doing events, you meet even more mm. people in the industry and more people who need more events, weddings, all of that. So it kind of just snowballed from there. Mm, so the club was kind of the steady thing what are the steady paying gigs did you do then you mentioned wedding was that a thing too yeah so i mean i didn't start with weddings i i think i only shot my first wedding myself probably in my third or fourth year because i always find that entertaining mm. people are always like oh you're a photographer do you do weddings and i'm like do you realize weddings are one of the hardest things to do physically and the fact that you can't redo it so if you mess it up you you don't get a second chance so it's not something you should start with <laughs> so once I was comfortable with the events and comfortable with the fashion and I felt like okay my editing's great now like I know what I'm doing I'm not constantly asking questions anymore then I was like okay now I can move mm -hmm. on to the weddings um and yeah I really did enjoy mm. them I mean it's they're tiring I I only do small weddings and elopements now because they are so physically taxing on your body it's insane um yeah. yeah so i i do still do them but in in the beginning in those first couple of years it was a nice little chunk of extra cash which was great and then obviously you meet all the people through that you hand out your cards at the weddings you it's networking it's connecting and it all just grows from there because you're always meeting people which is amazing so I did. I did weddings. I did events. I did the fashion. I even shot Fashion Week for SA Fashion Week for like five years. So I've done a bit of everything, really. <laughs> mm. At what point did you realize, I mean, apart from being able to pay your rent and the rest, at what point did you realize there was a business there? I think at that point where I could quit my full-time job and be like, well, I'm making just as much money now doing this just on weekends as I was at my full-time job. Okay, I was a very junior 
graphic designer. So it wasn't paying great at that point anyway. But I was like, if I can do this and I like absolutely love it, whereas the graphic designers like sit behind a desk for eight hours a day, eh, wasn't as like creative and exciting as I wanted, whereas the photography was. And if that's already paying after I've been doing it for like five, six months, then I'm going to do this. <laughs> so yeah, I switched <laughs> over very quickly because I knew I was, I was, I was certain I was making the same amount of money that I was making at the full-time job through the photography. And then I was just like, mm. okay. I'm done. I'm flipping over and it just worked and it just grew. Yeah. Didn't you feel like more work though? That's a good question. I I haven't actually thought about that. It, it definitely is. And it is looking now how much work goes into a shoot and post-production and everything that people don't realize. They think we just press a button and the photo just magically comes out looking great, <laughs> which it isn't. Wouldn't taking photos, you know, setting it up, all that yes. be more yeah. work than just, you know, designing? Yeah. So that's what I was going to say. It's, it's definitely more work, but because I love it so much, I don't mind. And also, the more mm. you, do you do it, what do you love about it? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was just going to say, the more you do it, the quicker you get as well, which helps. Um, and what I love oh, about okay. it is, I used to think I was like a massive people person, and I do love people. But as I'm getting older, I realize I really like one-on-one interaction, and I think that's why I've gone more mm. into the portrait side of things now, especially with this COVID thing and not being able to have massive teams. I really like that mm. one-on-one connection, and I really like being able to take photos of a person, whether it's corporate headshots or personal branding or a boudoir shoot, you know, it can vary. If you get a good photo of a person, there's so many people that absolutely hate photos and they just won't have photos taken of themselves because they've never seen a good photo taken of themselves. So if I can get them in front of my camera and give them even one photo that they love, like that fills me with so much joy and purpose and just makes me want to jump out of bed in the morning. And that's mostly what Mm. I love about it. And it's kind of evolved as time's gone. As I say, I've tried all the things. And at certain parts in my life, I loved each of them. And now I've evolved more to the portraits because I just realized this is now the phase of life that I'm in. And I'd like to, like, empower people with good photos, whether it's for themselves, for their business, for their husband, whatever it is. That's what makes me excited about it. Mm. And, you know, you're right. Because when you're doing something you are enjoying, Sometimes you have to remind yourself to eat because you're really having a nice time doing this thing. <laughs> yeah, that actually happened to me last week a couple of times. I was like, it's like five <laughs> o'clock. I haven't had lunch. <laughs> right, right. Um, you mentioned you love the personal one-on-one touch. And talking about Mel's photo was a boudoir shoot. How did he get into that? Was that something you started uh, while doing the fashion and the portrait thing? Uh, Yes and no. So I had done a couple lingerie shoots with, so I moved, I'm originally from Joburg and I moved to Cape Town six years ago now. Um, And obviously I was doing model portfolios when I first got here because all I wanted to do was the fashion because it looked so cool, you know, other people that I saw online doing that kind of thing. So I got here, I went to all the agencies. I was like, cool, I want to start shooting for you. So I did quite a few model portfolios for the first few years that I was here. And um I did lingerie shots, obviously, with some of the models, but then 
COVID hit, which wasn't great. And we couldn't shoot big teams and we couldn't shoot outside for quite a while. So I just started using the spare room in my flat. And one of the models who'd shot with me before was like, okay, cool. It's just one person. So it's fine. It's like COVID friendly and we can just do the shoot. So I had, I think it was me and my assistant and the model and we shot in my spare room. And I absolutely love how those photos came out. And at that point I was like, okay, I want to start doing more of this. But instead of it being just models, I want to do this with your everyday woman. I want to be able to get a great photo of a woman, whether it's in lingerie or just feeling great or in an amazing like dress or something can be a sheet, whatever it is. If that is going to help a woman feel more empowered, then that's what I want to do. Mm, mm. And, you know, he says right there on your um, Instagram, Women Empowerment. Why is that important to you? Another good question. Um, Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty deep one. There's, there's the inequality in pay for men and women. There's, I saw a thing the other day about um, women and men, the way that we've been taught by society to exercise, like men are taught to be strong and bulk and build, but women are taught to lose weight and be skinnier. And, you know, the leaner you are, the better. Whereas I'm like, but I hurt my back trying to be this skinny, lean girl, but now I want strength. I want to know that I'm strong and can go and do my job every day. Why is there that double standard for men and women? And mm. I think it's, it's an undercurrent in so much in life that you don't even realize that like there isn't that equality yet. We're definitely working towards it, and it's, we're definitely right now at a much more even plane than, say, our parents' generation was where the women would just be at home looking after kids and the men would be out working like that was how it was. But now women are doing their own thing. They can have their own jobs. They can be CEOs. It's amazing. But there's still that, that discrepancy in some areas. And I don't know. I just, I just really want to see. I have nothing against men. Men are great. Love you guys. <laughs> but I just want to see women uplift women, you know? And, mm. and I feel like... Probably, probably from like movies and stuff that you watch where the women are always tearing each other down and it's always this competition thing. And then you grow up thinking that that's what it is and, and what's normal. And then you actually grow up a bit more and then you're like, but that isn't what it is. I want to encourage my friends to do great and amazing things if they want to, if they want to like change career into something completely different. Like, why would I not encourage that, you know? So... As a photographer, if I can provide a woman who wants to change direction or up her game or, you know, do anything in her business or personal life that she needs great images to do that, then I want to do that for her, you know? So, yeah, I don't know where, where it actually came from. Like, I don't, I can't say it's one specific thing that happened to me that like made me go, okay, it's women empowerment. It's been a very slow progression of like me figuring out who I am and what I like and what direction I'm going in. And yeah, I just, I seem to have a passion for wanting to help uplift other women in whatever way I can. Mm, mm. You know, you mentioned that some people don't really like taking photos. I'm one of those people. And <laughs> I have one headshot that's 
I don't know, maybe six years old. And okay. it's kind of, it's, it is old, if not even more than six. But, um, but that's just me, you know, clothes on in front of a, in front of a camera. That's okay. I, I, I see some of the photos you take. There's this vulnerability that shows in the people you take photos of. How do you get them comfortable to that level of comfort? Yeah, it's, it's not easy, but it is something that I've learned through the years just in doing photography. I mean, some people are making reels now or were, I don't know, obviously other photographers would have pro probably only gotten them about like, I'm going to go meet a couple in a field and they're paying me money and I don't even know them. Like, it's weird, but this is life, you know, this is life for us. We don't know half of the clients personally that we are then going to go and shoot. And I have done those kind of shoots where you just, you do the whole email thing and then you meet them wherever, on the beach, in a field, in the studio. But there is a little bit of that disconnect when you're shooting someone for the first time. So now what I do that I've learned through other photographers who are doing it overseas is you do a call with the person, even before they've booked. You do a call with them and you just chat to them because now even more so with the portraits and the kind of stuff that I'm doing, it's a very personal thing and we kind of have to be on the same page. So if mm. I FaceTime the person or I can even meet them for a coffee, but obviously some people are coming from out of town or they can't meet mm. up or whatever, um, then we can do it online. But that face-to-face -face interaction where we can just talk, even if it's just for like half an hour, we can feel mm. each other's vibes. We can see if we get on. We can see if we're on the same page. Whereas in an email, you write it all out, but stuff can get misunderstood or misread or like, you know, whereas in person, you can actually see if the person's excited and if you guys like really do get on. And then that will translate yes. to the day of the shoot and whether they want to do another call after that so that we can just, you know, like refine some stuff. And I think just that one or two calls before the shoot or meetups before the shoot helps mm. the person feel so much more comfortable because people say they feel like they know me from my Instagram, but I don't actually post myself a heck of a lot. <laughs> so it's good to have that one-on-one -on -one interaction because then they're like, okay, she is a real human. This is not just like a random person posting five photos of herself and one video mm. every now and then. Like she's real and she is who she says she is. And now they've gotten to know me. And, and usually the kind of people who are attracted to me and my account are the kind of people that I'm going to get on with. It's usually people who are like mm. similar to me. So in that call, we can already tell. Do you ever have a situation where during that call, you either don't feel comfortable enough to shoot with a person or um, hand over or like, uh, I guess, refer the person to another photographer? That exact situation has not happened, no. But I have done a few calls where it hasn't gone further than that where obviously they have realized that maybe it's just not a fit, you know? So that's fine. If they want to chat to me and, and it's, it doesn't seem like a good fit for them or it doesn't seem like the right time for them, that's also fine. They can always come back whenever they're ready or if they want to mm. go and find someone else who they think is more on, along their lines and, like, gets their vision, then cool. At least we had that call and we now know. What are some things you discuss about during this call? Do you ever talk of the, I guess, you have concepts when you're shooting with the clients? 
So yeah, the, the first call is basically just to get to know them. So I'll ask them some in-depth questions like, who are you? What's your background? Where do you come from? Especially for the boudoir stuff, because it helps me understand what direction they're coming to the shoot from, whether it's for them or a partner mm -hmm. and what their motivation is behind it. Um, and then I ask them a couple other questions. I've literally got it written down in a thing in my phone. I've got quite a few questions that I usually ask. But it's also down to what do they expect from me from the shoot? What are they hoping for? What kind of vision are they working towards? And do they have any concepts? And if not, what kind of photos are they drawn to? Like on my Instagram, I'm, I'm planning on putting together like a presentation that I'll do in that initial meeting where I show them like all the different stuff because someone might find me on the boudoir profile and then they don't realize I also shoot lifestyle slash fashion, you know, the other stuff, more commercial stuff. So I want to do a whole presentation where I'll show people some different options of like, I can do this and this and this. And then they can sort of decide which direction they want to go in. Because some people go, oh, you just do boudoir. Let's do a boudoir shoot. But they don't think that maybe I do other things. Like I can do headshots for your work as well. <laughs> it doesn't have to be boudoir. So, yeah, uh, that would be cool to be able to do, definitely. One cool thing that also stood out for me while I was checking up on your profile was this Keens project. Do you want to talk a bit about that? Yeah, so I am the resident photographer, one of the resident photographers for a stock site called Picture, Picture Stock. And um, the owner is actually based in America, in Seattle, but it is an Afrocentric site based at putting up all images of people of color and just everyday people basically in Africa and around the world. And yeah, there's people in Ghana, Kenya, here in Cape Town. I know they were looking for someone in Joburg. Then there's people in the States, in Europe, in Brazil. So it's everywhere, which is great. There's, there's people shooting for them. And then also people who are just contributors, who just contribute photos from wherever they're from, which is really cool. So there's a great diversity. And yeah, they were doing a exhibition and I was like, cool, this is the kind of thing that I like. Let's try enter an exhibition competition. So the brief was skin. And so obviously I was like, okay, so nude, like artistic nudes is what they're looking for. So I have tattoos. So I was like, okay, let's find someone who has some tattoos and like do some really cool lighting, dark kind of imagery, moody with skin and tattoos so yeah I found a lady who's like mm. quite a yogi and she'd never done something like this before and she came in on the day and I won't lie I literally had to like sit down on the floor because there was a point where I thought I was going to pass out I was so nervous and she sat down on the floor with me and she was like it's okay <laughs> but the photos came out really cool and I think that was also one of the things that kind of like pushed me more towards this boudoir thing because I was like okay it was mm. terrifying but that was more just in my head that was just all of the conditioning in my head from Catholic school that I need to work through. But I love how these <laughs> images came out. So if I can work through that in my brain mm. <laughs> and not have that every time I shoot, then that would be so cool. So yeah, it was, it was one of those where it was something cool that I did. And it also helped sort of put me in the right direction as well, which was really great. Mm. <clears throat> and um, so boudoir, Actually, you know, COVID happened, it shut things down, and then it had you pivot to do more boudoir, more one-on-one -on -one stuff. Would you say COVID was, in a way, some kind of blessing or taking you down this direction? 
Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, as I said earlier, I knew I was artistic but didn't know what. And I had to try a billion different things to figure out, oh, photography, never would have thought of that. <laughs> and it's been the same within photography. Yes, I found photography and I did like each stage as I was going through it, the events, the weddings, all the different things. But ultimately, it always came back to portraits. That's why I got the camera was to take photos of people to draw portraits. And now it's come back to it. Mm. So I kind of knew already. I just had to like try all the things to make sure that I wasn't missing out on anything. But yeah, COVID mm. and locking everything down and not being able to do shoots with big groups or outside even. And I was like a big fan of like, oh, no, I like shooting outside. I like natural light. I like shooting outside. And that kind of forced me to shoot inside. And I was like, oh, you can do natural light inside too. And you could use light lights inside. And it's Cape Town and it's always windy or raining. So then you don't have to rely on the weather <laughs> to get photos. Mm. And that's a lot less stressful, which is great. So, yeah, it did. It definitely <laughs> pushed me more in that direction that I, I, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have moved to naturally. Because, as I say, I think mm. I had such a, such a thing in my head about it that I didn't even realize but being forced to do it and be like, actually, this is kind of fun. I really like this. It definitely was a good push in the right direction. Mm. And sometimes getting out of your comfort zone is where you need to be, you know? Yep, exactly. Yeah, was that push I needed for sure. All right, um, let's talk about pricing, right? You know, you you've gone through this whole kind of being an assistant for someone and they're making enough money that you decided to quit your day to your nine to five start this business the thing is you know you kind of have to pay for everything yourself when you're now running your business how did that factor in like pricing did you have issues coming up with pricing for your work yeah, so that was interesting because photographers in general aren't the most open about what they charge, really, in my experience. So it's been a bit of trial and error of asking people who I am friends with in the industry what they charge. Um, we also mm -hmm. in South Africa have Safria, who it, it's for all the creative industries, and then they give general ideas of what the average pay is for each category of what you do and, like, yeah, the, each role within different creative companies and things. So that's a good reference, but it doesn't always, it's not always exactly what is happening, basically, because obviously there's the people who are kind of like undercharging or the students who are coming up who they don't factor in, which then changes the rate for the more experienced people because they're like, oh, but if I can get a newbie for this, why would I pay you this? And you're like, hmm. Well, <laughs> yeah, so it is a bit it is a bit skewed and I have had to ask friends and I do check out Safria and I'm also now on a couple of photographers groups and we're actually starting to have conversations in some of those groups to be like, what is normal? Because now we're all kind of like sharing work and passing work on and then someone's like, well, this person wanted to charge me this, but in my mind, this is the average. So it's been really interesting to be a part of those conversations um, and then, yeah, some people are like, this is what I charge for a day. And then I charge gear on top of it. And I'm like, oh, like, I know you do that, but I thought that was just big commercial jobs, you know? So yeah, it's, it's interesting mm -hmm. to talk to other people in the industry and find out what they charge so that you know where you fit. Because obviously if you are charging like barely anything, even if it's that situation of, oh, got a rich husband, don't really need the money. 
you're making it unfair for some of the other people in the industry that do need the money, you know? So it's always good mm. to figure out what normal is and fit into that, obviously based on your skill level and how much gear you have and how much money mm. you spend on gear also has a factor in it. But yeah, it can't be like, I don't know, let's throw out a number. The average is 2,000 rand an hour and now you're charging 200 rand an hour and then the industry is just like, ah! <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> um let's talk about gear what do you love shooting with what do i love shooting with gear mm -hmm. so i have a canon i used to shoot nikon and i really loved my first nikon camera but then i got a few more and i just wasn't loving the color uh so i switched over to canon and i have two sigma art lenses which i love and my pro photo lights, which I've had, geez, I think for almost 10 years now. And I absolutely love them as well. So, yeah, basically, I'm not, I'm not one for gear in general. I'm not really a techie person, despite the <laughs> job that I'm in. I'm just like, I just want a camera that I know and that works and that I know is reliable and will get me what mm. I need. Um, and same with lenses and lights. I need something that I'm going to be able to shoot with and that's not going to overheat or die on me or do something weird. And I just found <laughs> that the Canon cameras, the Sigma lenses, Sigma art lenses, and my pro photo lights are like pretty much all I need. I basically only use my one lens mostly unless I'm shooting weddings or events and I need like a further... I'm so chilled in terms of my gear. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah okay you know it's it's great just chatting with you and learning all about um your process and going boudoir and how you price but i want to leave you with this one um finding out what you love and you're doing it what um advice would you give to someone listening watching uh about finding their passion and following it Oh, yeah. Um, that it's a journey. Very few people in school and straight out of school know what they want to do. I mean, we were literally talking on the weekend. When I was in standard six, which is grade eight, they ask you, what do you want to do? We're going to do this test and you're going to like see what kind of career you want to go into. I was like that. I can't even remember the other ones, but it, there's no way I wanted to be that. That was just because of what I was hearing other people do, you know? Um, so it took me a very long time to figure out what I wanted to do. And I definitely think it's a good idea to have a degree if you can afford it. And if it's something that you can do without like completely bankrupting yourself, if you have some support or some money, um, but you also don't have to study, especially these days. I mean, when I was studying, people developing apps wasn't a thing. We didn't even have iPhones at that point. So there are constantly jobs coming up that didn't exist, especially with all this technology. So you don't have to study. If you can, I think it's great. And if you can't, that's also fine. Get a degree, don't get a degree. Go into the job that you studied for or don't. I didn't go into graphic design. Sure, it's come in handy. But everything that I've learned after that has been through my own studying and learning through other people. So you can study mm -hmm. something and then go into something completely different. But the important thing is to, to try. That, that sounds weird, but you know what I mean? You have to try out different things. Even if you're like, mm -hmm. okay, I know I'm a creative. I definitely want to do this. Try something that's like a little bit of an offshoot off of it, you know? If you think, oh, I want to be a graphic designer, 
maybe go mm. spend a day with an animator or an art director or something that's also in a creative field, but maybe not exactly that, you know, and that might, you might get there one day and be like, this is a, this is what I've been looking for the whole time. And I didn't even know. I mean, I even, I spent a day at an interior design studio with my friend's mom because I thought I also wanted to do interior design. So I tried a bunch of different things. And I think that's so important is to take every opportunity. If someone's mom is a whatever chef, Go, go follow her for a day, an hour, two hours. Just see what she does. See if you enjoy that kind of thing. So, yeah, mm. whatever comes your way and you're like, that could be kind of interesting, go check it out. Can't hurt. Mm. Mm. I love that ad ad advice because sometimes you, you just have this focus and pigeonhole yourself to doing one thing and it's not yeah. something you even enjoy. But if you try stuff, you might find out like you did with photography and with boudoir and especially this message you have of women empowerment Kat thank you for the amazing work you do, do and for giving me your time and also for coming to the sanctuary today yeah thank you it's been so much fun and thank you for choosing me as one of your guests it's been amazing